right, and welcome back, everybody, to the Building Lifelong Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renneke, and thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about building healthy sleep patterns, what it looks like to sleep well to optimize your health. I know it's not necessarily the most exciting topic, and people are probably going to tune out when they hear sleep, but stick with me. I really think it's worth it. You know, If you're already sleeping great, and you're like, Jordan, I sleep like a baby, that's cool. Maybe this isn't one for you, but I still think there's some things you might be able to pick up and, and leave with. But if you're really having trouble sleeping, I hope you stick around because I really think there's going to be some things here that you can take away that are actionable and really help you if you're struggling with your sleep. So I hope we can give you some actionable tips and work on how to improve your sleep. So let's get started and dive into it. So the first question we have is why does sleep matter? Well, that's a good question. I think we all know intuitively when we don't sleep, we feel like garbage. Um, at least most of us do. But the real, real kind of funny thing is we're not sure why we sleep. We're unsure, you know, why we need to, but we know that it's essential. It's just for you know, as long as we've been alive, we know it's important. Even when you're a little kid and you get overtired and they say you need a nap, we just know that sleep uh, heals a multitude of sins. That's for sure. It does appear to be critical with physical and mental development, though. So as we know, we sleep a ton when we're kids, and as we grow up and as we're growing, we're always sleeping. So it does seem to play a role. With with physical and mental development as well. You know, another reason why we want to sleep is poor sleep is associated with a bunch of different problems. Things like cardiovascular problems, a weakened immune system, maybe a high risk of obesity and type 2 diabetes, imp impaired memory and thinking. That's a big one most people don't think about. And then it's also linked to mental health problems like depression and anxiety. So at the end of the day, why we sleep is because one, it makes us feel better. We just know we feel better when we have sleep. And two, it actually has a huge impact on almost every single organ system we have in our body. So if you want to get like your best bang for your buck, like getting good sleep is a really, really good place to start. And so we talk about, okay, well, why do I get it? That's important, but how does it actually work? Well, this is a very, another very dissatisfying answer in that we don't fully understand how it works. We have some ideas, but it's definitely not settled. We do know that it has effects, like I said, on nearly every system in the body. And then it's a pretty complicated process. There's lots of things involved. There's multiple locations in the brain that are involved to help produce hormones and chemicals that kind of regulate wakefulness and sleep and signals like that. And so it's kind of this complicated milieu between your brain, the hormones and signals from the external environment that kind of all work together to help you fall asleep. So obviously this is a 20,000 foot overview on what, you know, how that actually works. But if you think about it, it's more than just like, I'm making this decision. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. There's a lot of different things that go in there. And so another logical question we might ask is then, okay, so you've told me, you know, why we need it. Not really how it works. Not really, but how much sleep do we actually need? This is a little more concrete, I think for the general public, but for everybody, it's going to, it's going to vary a little bit. You know, every person is going to have a different amount of sleep. That's good for them. You know, the people who are saying, Oh, I don't need sleep. I run on through three or four hours. They're probably, they're probably lying. I'll be honest with you. You know, there are some genetic differences that maybe they can run on some less sleep, but you know, those people who are out in the you know, celebrities or whatnot say, I sleep five hours a night. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that they're telling the truth or they're just super tired all the time and they maybe forgotten like what it feels like to not be tired. And so our goal is to not live in that state where we're constantly tired, constantly fatigued, but get a restful night's sleep so we can feel what it feels like to be at our, our best potential. So, you know, like I said, if you need to sleep for four hours a night for every once in a while, obviously life happens. We got to do it, but it's really not recommended. We really want to get a good solid amount of sleep. So in terms of the numbers specifically that we're looking at, it kind of changes as we age. You know, it starts off about 14 to 17 hours a day as a newborn. As you know, like kids, they're just like sleeping, eating, pooping, and that's pretty much it. So 14 to 17. And like we talked about, we think that's a lot, you know, has to do with because of how much their brain's developing, how much they're growing, and we need sleep for growth. As we kind of continue to move down in the age, if we got about eight to 10 hours for teens, and so, you know, 
anybody who's seen a teenager sleep knows that they like sleeping and they like sleeping late. That's also something I'll mention in a second here. And then for sleep total amount of time for adults, it's about seven to nine hours. And that's pretty consistent. So once we hit like 18 to like when we die, like seven to nine hours is a general range. Obviously some are gonna have more, some are gonna have less. That's like the overarching theme. The interesting thing is too, we all have different times of, of when we feel like we want to sleep. As I mentioned before, our teenagers, they're sleeping until 11 o'clock in the morning and we think, oh, like they're being lazy, but really no, like physiologically, they are drawn to stay up later and sleep later. It's like crazy. And it's crazy, high school is like start the earliest. They start like seven o'clock or whatever. And so we're really not doing them any favors by starting super early. That's a whole nother you know, conversation. But uh, I just want to throw that out there to any parents out there with teenagers that cut them some slack. It's their physiology and they're not necessarily trying to get out of things. But so like we talked about, each person's different, about seven to nine hours is the general way. But you might ask me like, well, Jordan, like, how do I know how much do I need? You know, am I a seven hour person? Am I a nine hour person? And really this is gonna come down to like how you feel. And there's a couple different things to look for. Do you feel healthy? Do you feel happy? Do you feel alert? If it's a no to all three of those questions, you're probably not getting enough sleep or there's something else going on. You know, another question is, do you have any underlying illnesses that kind of makes you at risk for other diseases? Because that being said, if you are someone who has other comorbidities and you're not sleeping much, that might make that comorbidity worse, might predispose you to having complications from that or developing other things. And so just think about your overall health. You know, if you are maybe not the healthiest person in the world, getting more sleep might be really beneficial for you. Another question to think about is, do you have a high level of daily activity? You know, are you training four times a day? Well, then you're going to need a lot of sleep. Um, if you're not doing quite as much, you might not need as much. But if you think about those elite athletes, people who are doing multiple two-a-days, they're sleeping all the time. Professional athletes, they take their sleep super seriously. They're obviously working on all the time, but sleep is critical for them. Another question is, do you need alertness for your job? I think the answer for that should be yes for everybody. I can't imagine, you know, any job where you don't need to be alert, but you know, are you working with heavy machinery? Are you having a dangerous job where if you're fatigued, you know, they, they've shown in lots of different studies that if you have sleep deprivation, it's very similar to actually having like a blood alcohol level, like at the legal limit of like being drunk essentially. And so like, it's crazy. We in society, if you're driving while you're drunk, obviously that's a huge faux pas. We don't do that. But if you're driving while you're sleep deprived, it's just like, Oh, it's just what we do. But really your alertness and your reaction time is very similar to that. And so it's just something to consider. Like if your job is on a dangerous side where you're working with repetitive motions, heavy machinery, or it's dangerous, like getting sleep is critical for you. Another question we can think about is, do you rely on caffeine during the day? Are you a person who gets up and just has to crush caffeine as soon as they get up in the morning? Well, then maybe you're not getting enough sleep. Now the question is, when you have an open schedule, do you tend to sleep more? You know, on the weekends, are you constantly finding yourself sleeping super late, getting 12 hours because you feel like you're not getting enough sleep during the week? That might be indicative that we need to get a couple more hours during the week. At the end of the day, though, you can't cheat sleep. You know, lack of sleep is going to always get you one way or another. It's going to get theirs. You know, if you try to fight it, eventually you're going to either fall apart, get sick, or just have to sleep. So, um, you know, it's better to structure it and get solid sleep if we can because uh, then we're going to be feeling better throughout the week. And so next concept we're going to talk about here is what are the stages of sleep? So when we talk about stages of sleep, it's kind of tricky. We talk about the NREM or not REM and REM sleep and sleep architecture and all these like fancy words, but I just kind of want to get through like a definition first. We're talking about sleep architecture. This is essentially the structure of sleep cycles and their stages. So it's super important for generating sleep quality. So the architecture is like kind of how these stages work. They're cyclical. They run in a pattern like that. And you're going to see them. They're repeating. There's multiple stages. And so, like I said, we break them down into non-REM and REM. And we'll run through the first stages of non-REM first, how it is, you know, the first stage or N1 is kind of that hazy, can't decide if I'm awake or asleep part. And we all know what this is when you lay down and you're like, how long have I been out? And usually this 
you know, specific segment in this N1 lasts only about one to five minutes, but everyone knows this. I mean, I think I just had this the other night where I fell asleep and I woke up and I don't remember how long it was, but I didn't think I was asleep. I thought I was awake the whole time. This is that N1 zone where you're like, not sure if you're awake or if you're sleeping yet. Next, we move on to N2, which is where we have our brain activity, heart rate, and respiratory rate all start to slow down. So the way I start to think about this is that your body's starting to relax a little bit. That first session, you know, that's only five minutes is just, just dipping our toes in. And this, we're starting to relax a little bit more. This usually lasts anywhere from about 10 minutes to an hour, something like that. And it is worth noting that in these first two stages, you're easier to awaken. So it doesn't make sense why when you just go down for sleep, you're easier to get woken up. And because these first two stages, you're more likely to get interrupted during that and wake up. So after moving in one and two, now we start getting into what we call the deep sleep. So the N3 stage is deep sleep or delta sleep or whatever you have it. And this is where the body relaxes even more. We call it delta sleep because you start to see some delta wave activity in your brain. That seems to be a pattern as well. And we think that during this deep, steep sleep, this is where we have, you know, body restoration happening, mind restoration. We have, you know, processing our memories and our experiences through the day. So some really critical stuff happening during this deep sleep. Additionally, we'll have release of lots of hormones for healing as well. And so like a critical stage here, deep sleep usually lasts about 20 to 40 minutes. And then after we've hit through those, you know, three and we're going to deep sleep next is the REM. So the REM stands for rapid eye movement. And this is our N4 or fourth stage of sleep. And here the brain activity is like almost as active as when you were awake. So if you essentially looked at it and you didn't know if this person awake or asleep, it looks very similar to that. But we also find that it's actually critical. It helps us with our creativity, helps with memory, you know, dreaming, consolidation, learning all these things. And it lasts about 10 to 60 minutes as well. And so most REM also happens usually in the later half of the night. And an interesting note is that when you're in REM sleep, you usually have temporary paralysis. And so this is why, like when you're sleeping, you usually don't get up and do stuff that you're dreaming about. You know, that's a different kind of sleep disorder that we can talk about. Um, but typically when you're dreaming, you're just locked. And that's why when you feel like I can't run away, my feet are in cement, that's from that REM where we have this temporary paralysis. So we've kind of talked about the main cycles here. These cycles last about anywhere from 70 to 120 minutes, usually in intervals, and it repeats about five or six times throughout the night. So we kind of go through that one, two, three, four, repeat one, two, three, four. So we kind of have this cyclical thing. Um, and so it's kind of pattern. And as we get that sleep architecture, we set up that, you know, these kind of follow this certain cycle and it's very, very complicated. And there's, it's much more, in, you know, interesting and deep than I thought it would ever be. Um, but that's the general outline of when we're sleeping, how those stages work and what happens during them. All right, so moving on, our next question is, how does the body regulate sleep? Well, like I mentioned earlier, it is a complicated process. You know, It's not just one center in the brain, it's multiple centers, things like the hypothalamus, thalamus, pineal gland, forebrain, all these different places. So there's a lot going on. So I just wanna let you know, it is more complicated than just like, this is the sleep portion of my brain. Your brain's kind of working cohesively together to kind of send signals and hormones and neurotransmitters to kind of regulate the sleep. But the way I think about it, there's a big, basically two main ways that kind of help regulate sleep. The first we're going to talk about is like sleep-wake homeostasis. So essentially what the sleep-wake homeostasis is, is there's a homeostatic sleep drive, aka like what it means is the longer that you're awake, the more you feel like you need to sleep. There's this concept of sleep pressure that builds up over time. So pressure is just kind of in the brain, the, the longer you're awake, the higher the pressure you're going to have. And this pressure is mediated by chemicals in the brain specifically. Now, one thing they talk about a lot is adenosine or adenosine, if you're uh, of our British colleagues, which I was listening to a book and they pronounced it that way and that blew my mind. But essentially this adenosine builds up over time. So as you're 
awake, awake, awake. We have more and more and more and more of these chemicals that build up and provide this pressure or the sensation that you should sleep. Um, on top of that as well, you know, we have that, the sleep pressure. There's other neurotransmitters involved like GABA, acetylcholine, orexin, serotonin, all play different roles on sleep or awake cycles. So like I said, it's super complex and it's crazy, but we have multiple centers of the brain. We have multiple neurotransmitters, but at the end of the day, what's really happening is we're having this sleep pressure, this buildup of signaling molecules to say, hey man, you gotta sleep. It's uh, past due, we need, to, we need to get some shut out here. And so the sleep pressure then also makes you sleep deeper and longer as well. So if you've kind of had this sleep pressure building, 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 you know, and it's built up for a long time, then it's gonna kind of like overshoot a little bit and say, hey, okay, we need to recover a little bit. So if you've had insufficient night sleep, it's gonna do that. And what else affects kind of this drive? Well, things like stress, hunger, caffeine, and exposure to light. And what's interesting enough is caffeine actually suppresses adenosine. So it kind of makes sense if we're suppressing that adenosine, we're decreasing that pressure, what we need to sleep. And so that's kind of a cool fact that I learned as to how it works. And so we kind of talked about this, you know, general, you know, influences on the pressure, but also a huge component is our circadian system. Most people have heard about circadian rhythms, and this is essentially your body's biologic clock, and it lasts about 24 hours. It's not exactly 24 hours, and there's some studies that if you just sit in a cave with complete blackness, you know, it's a little bit longer, a little bit shorter than 24 hours, but for all intents and purposes, our circadian rhythm is about 24 hours. And essentially, what is really important and affects this is light exposure. So light exposure is the biggest influence on our circadian rhythms. You know, melatonin is a hormone that I'm sure most people have heard of, and this is produced as light exposure decreases. So this is kind of why it's important that we want to kind of stay away from light late at night, and but we want to introduce light early in the morning. So as we're you know going throughout the day and we're having less and less light exposure, that's when melatonin gets released, and that kind of sends a signal: Hey, it's time to start getting ready to go to bed. And uh, so kind of the, the triggers there. So there's that sleep pressure, and then we have the circadian influences as well that kind of dictate like why we want to sleep. Sleep hygiene is actually an important concept I wanna talk about. It sounds weird, you're like, what, what is sleep hygiene? Like brushing my teeth while I'm in bed? And not quite, that sounds like a bad idea, but sleep hygiene is kind of having a bedroom environment and daily routines that promote consistent, uninterrupted sleep. So essentially it's important because it's setting you up for success. You're, your routine is setting you up for solid sleep that's repeatable night after night. At the end of the day, this is really important because it pretty much costs you nothing, but there's a super high risk. So if you have really bad sleep hygiene, um, this is an area that could be really, really low hanging fruit and could help you with. And so the essential question is like, what sleep you know, sleep habits should I have? You know, you say in this Jordan, we have to have sleep hygiene, you know, but what does it mean? Well, there's like main, four main things that I think about. Like one would be setting a sleep schedule. Two is following a nightly routine. Three is cultivating healthy daily habits. And four is optimizing your bedroom. So we'll kind of dive into those a little bit each just to kind of give you some heads up in there. So first question, how do I make a sleep schedule? Well, this might sound super weird, but if you're having trouble sleeping, it can be beneficial to have a fixed wake up time. So this means that you're waking up at the same time on weekends and on um, you know, the weekdays, which you know kind of seems like it defeats the purpose of weekends, but it does seem to help that if you just get up six o'clock every single day, it helps you get in rhythm, helps you send those signals that, hey, it's time for bed, it's time to rise, it kind of goes there. Another thing is that, you know, we really just need to prioritize sleep. You know, essentially what we want to do is reverse engineer um, your, your sleep and wake time. So if you kind of reverse back when you need to wake up and go back from there to figure out how much sleep you need to make that happen, you just need to get into bed and make that a priority. You know, a, a big thing that they talk about is in bedtime, meaning, you know, when you're in bed for seven hours, it doesn't necessarily mean you're sleeping for seven hours, but you want to give yourself at least the option and the opportunity to sleep. And you can't do that unless you're in bed. And so when we talk about making it a priority, that means giving yourself in bedtime of that seven to nine hours. 
And when we're making these changes, it's important to make things kind of gradually. You know, we don't want to necessarily say, okay, I'm usually going to bed around midnight. I'm going to start going to bed at eight. You know, that's probably not going to bode well for you. You're probably just laying there awake in your bed. And so what's helpful is to make it gradually. So essentially do a couple hour adjustments, an hour or two. So essentially, you know, you're going to bed at 12, then we do 11 and maybe we do that for a little bit of time and then go to 10 and just slowly work it back until we get to our desired goal. And then once again, our desired goal is based off of when we have to wake up in the morning. So you reverse engineer and saying, I need to get up at six. So I need to go to bed at eight. And then if you're used to going to bed at 12, we just slowly inch by inch, move that bedtime up till we're at our, our goals. And one other thing to think about is when we're designing our days, we want to take it easy with naps. They can be nice and can be beneficial at times, um, but it can throw off your sleep at night. And so, but if you do, if you say, oh, man, I need a nap, try to do it, um, you know, earlier in the day, avoid it late in the afternoon and try to keep it short. Because as we go a little longer, we kind of decrease some of that sleep pressure and it might affect how we sleep later at night. And so then, you know, an important thing to consider as well is, is a nightly sleep routine. So what does it kind of look like? Well, you know, the first thing is it should be consistent. It tells your body once again it's time for sleep like we're creatures of habit we thrive off of that and so if every day you're doing the same routine and kind of sending these signals here we go you know one recommendation is budget about 30 minutes for winding down whether that's listening to some music stretching reading meditating doing different relaxation techniques essentially what we're saying is okay here we go we're getting this process started get ready brain i'm gonna get going for bed on top of that, another thing to do is dim your lights. Like I said, bright lights can inhibit or release melatonin release. So we want to like just set ourselves up for success. So we're kind of relaxing down, calming down, staying away from bright lights. And then ideally we'd have about 30, 60 minutes before bed with no electronics. Because what these can do is they can cause mental stimulation, which can kind of amp you up. And then also blue light, which might have some effect on melatonin release and other things. So kind of just, once again, everything's gradual and just kind of keeping it calm and, 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 and dark in there. And if you can't sleep after 20 minutes, you know, it's important to get out of bed, do something non-stimulating. So by non-stimulating, that means don't reach over, grab your phone and be like, just start doom scrolling on social media. So that's not, an, that's not ideal. If you really can't sleep for 20 minutes, like physically get out of bed, go somewhere still, you know, we don't want it to be super bright. Maybe go read a book, maybe go listen to some music, do something, but um, it's kind of helping help keep you focused on being in bed. And when you're in bed, that's for sleep. Like when I'm in bed, that's sleeping. And so we were kind of training our brain that if you're not sleeping, we get out of bed. That's what we should do. So, and another question is what do we do during the day to sleep better at night? Well, one thing we can do is get sun exposure. Like we talked about before, this kind of helps set that circadian rhythm, getting sunlight triggers that start, you know, Hey, I'm up in the morning. I see the sun. This is awake time. And then at night when the sun goes away, that's our sleep time. Another thing to do is be physically active. There does seem to be a link between exercise and helping you sleep. So um, I've talked about that ad nauseum. I think you're always going to want exercise, but that's important. Another thing that people not, don't necessarily think about is limit smoking and alcohol. Nicotine is actually a stimulant. And so obviously we want to avoid that. We want to avoid nicotine by for everything. There's no reason. There's pretty much no benefit to it. Um, but if this is another reason you need to decrease your nicotine, then here we go. And alcohol actually is one that people don't think about because they're like, well, like it helps me fall asleep. It might temporarily help you fall asleep, but it's not giving you good like rest restorative sleep. It's not high quality sleep. So if you're falling asleep, you're really not getting as good a quality. So, I mean, in a perfect world, we're not drinking, we're not having nicotine. But if we if you are and you do have to drink, you know, obviously keep it minimal and do it earlier in the in the night if possible. And so, also caffeine, like we've mentioned before, how that is going to, it's stimulate. It's going to keep you up. Try to limit that to, you know, no later than the early afternoon, try to keep it away from there. Um, definitely no one in the evening, but obviously do what we can. Another thing that people don't necessarily think about is like big meals towards the end of the day. Obviously 
you get home late and you got to do what you got to do. But like sometimes big meals can lead to like disruption of sleep because your the digestion can throw off the sleep. And so if you need to eat, sometimes they recommend like light meals and that's ideal. And then also setting up your bedroom, like I hinted at before, like you're, you're kind of setting some mental cues that, Hey, bedroom, like I use this for sleep and for sex, like two purposes, you know, just sitting there scrolling social media, um, whatever, watching TV, like it's not necessarily set you know, for success. And so in an ideal world, um, you know, I'm using the bedroom just for one thing. Obviously, if you live in a one bedroom apartment and we got to make stuff work or you have roommates, I get it. It's totally realistic, but it's just kind of saying this is the options that we can do. And then someone might also ask like, how should I set up my bedroom for optimal sleep? We're talking about how important the bedroom is, Jordan. Well, what do I do? Well, first and foremost, find a mattress and a pillow that work for you. You know, there's a million different ones you can choose the memory foam versus the adjustable versus whatever. I mean, really at the end of the day, if you find it comfortable, that's going to be great. And sometimes it can be helpful to have nicer sheets because sometimes that can just feel better. And when you feel comfortable, um, you tend to sleep better. And on top of that, one, one thing that's really interesting is you want to sleep in a cool temperature in the room. Optimal seems about like 65 degrees, which like 65 degrees seems pretty chilly for room. So, you know, if it's during the summer, that might not be, you know, financially reasonable. I know it's not um, where I'm at, but, you know, something to think about. We want to keep it lower because we tend to have a little bit better response for when we're in a cooler temperature. I think we all know that, you know, intuitively. And also black out the room. Super important. Use whatever you need to, but make it dark, whether it's blackout curtains or, you know, if you can't do curtains and you can do the eye, you know, the eye mask, that's fine too. But being dark really, really helps as well. And then try to keep the noise out, you know, earplugs, if you need to, otherwise you can use a white noise machine that can be helpful. And finally, some people like sense. There's some studies that lavender might help calm me down. Um, like I said, might be worth a shot if we're really struggling there. So I know this is like a whole bunch of things that we talked about kind of going all over the place and sleep and this and that. Um, but I do think it's worth having some podcast because sleep is so important. First of all, it's free. doesn't cost you anything. It's probably like the best supplement you could take, you know, sleep, physical exercise and, and, you know, nutrition are kind of like the three things. Like if you get these three locked in, like most likely everything else is going to get taken care of. So it's, but it's so critical. It has so many far reaching effects for your overall health. Like literally you can't think of an organ system or body system that doesn't, you know, have an impact on. And if you're not getting about seven to nine hours, you should kind of reevaluate your sleep goals and priorities. Now I get it. You're like, Hey Jordan, uh, you're an idiot. I can't do that. Okay. I, I get that. But I'm just saying, this is what the goal we should be shooting for. Obviously there's stages in life where that may not be possible. Um, but if you know, if you're saying, Hey, why am I not feeling this way? Why, why am I having this problem? Why having that problem? And we're not getting that sleep. Like, man, you know, there might not be anything we can do until we get that sleep to really get you out of that funk. So, and it's really all about, you know, setting yourself up for success. You know, it really does take some concerted effort. You know, most time we just think, Oh, we just fall asleep. But if you're struggling and not having good sleep and you want to sleep, you know, setting yourself up for success goes a long way. If you need to set a sleep schedule, you know, get in there, wake up the same time every day. Maybe you need to make a nightly routine. Maybe that involves kind of a hot shower, letting your body kind of cool down, doing some relaxing, reading a book, keeping the lights down low, all that stuff. Essentially, we just want you to practice good sleep hygiene to set yourself up for success. You know, we also, at the end of the day, the big tips when we talk about with the sleep hygiene, we want to get sunlight early in the day. We want to avoid lights later. We want to limit our caffeine, nicotine, alcohol. And like we mentioned, wind down before bed, no electronics, about 30 to 60 minutes before and sleeping in that cool, dark room without noise. Um, those are kind of like the big takeaways. If I had to say there were a couple from here, obviously life gets in the way, do the best you can. I hope you found this helpful, but thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you found this helpful, it would mean the world. If you liked comment, subscribe, or share it with a friend, if you feel like this is something that you think they would learn from or enjoy, yeah, it'd be awesome if you shared it with them. I really appreciate tuning in. I know you can be anywhere, listening to anybody. The fact that you're listening to me uh, means the world to me. So I hope you have a great day and take care. We'll see you next time. 
Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.